So we are starting a new series this week called Easter People. And uh, we finished up Hebrews. Brian did a phenomenal job on Sunday. And uh, we finished up Hebrews for the most part. I, I think he confessed to me that he didn't get into chapter 13 like I wanted him to, but that's okay. I'll save that for another time. So we're going to start into uh, studies of all of the people that were transformed by an interaction with Jesus in the context of Holy Week. Tonight, we're going to look at Lazarus. Chronologically, he was one of the first. We're going to be in John chapter 11, John chapter 11. And uh, I will make sure that I leave some time for John. So let's dive into John chapter 11. All right, everybody at home, John chapter 11. Now, with that said, I've got to go back to John chapter 10. <laughs> You know the way it is, because in John chapter 11, it says a certain man was ill, and Jesus wasn't there. So where was he? Well, in John chapter 10, we understand that the uh, pressure in Jerusalem had gotten a little hot. It was not yet the time for Jesus to reveal why he had come, and so he departed in John chapter 10, verse 40. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained. Now, across the Jordan, there's only one thing we know for sure, is that he went from west to east, <laughs> Jerusalem is on the west side of the Jordan. He went across it. That's what the scripture says. We don't know if he went north and east, like to Jericho or to uh, Caesarea Philippi. We don't know any of that. We don't know if he went immediately east, just on the other side of the, the Jordan from where Jerusalem is. I think he probably went to the Judean wilderness, not too far from Jericho. When we go to Israel, there's a place we go. Uh, if, you've, if you've ever been there, it's right by the Allenby Bridge, the, the King Hussein Bridge. It's been renamed. The, the, the bridge that goes from Israel into Jordan. There's only three crossings, south, middle, and north. The middle crossing is between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea, and, and that is the, the site where most people think that Jesus was actually baptized. So John was in the Judean wilderness. It doesn't really matter. Jesus decided to leave Jerusalem because the, the, the Pharisees wanted to put him to death, and as he said, it wasn't yet time. So in chapter 11, there's there's kind of a turning point. A lot of people say that chapter 10 is the end of the, the first uh, movement in the Gospel of John. And now chapter 11 begins uh, the Holy Week experience. And, and in reality, that's probably true because 
chapter 11 and forward is pretty much just the last week of, Je of Jesus's life, except for John 21. John 21 is, is a couple of weeks later, but, but chapter 11 through 20 is the last week of Jesus's life. And you remember whenever we study the gospel of John, it's not like Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We call those the synoptic gospels, meaning that they are a synopsis of Jesus's life. Those three are interested in the what. John is interested in the why. And so with John, we get theology, we get introspection, we get stories in John that we don't get anywhere else. This is one of them. It's odd to me that the resurrection of Lazarus, calling him back from the dead, is only in the Gospel of John. And so John is interested in making sure that we know the, the deeper meaning of what was going on. Interestingly enough, if you think about the very beginning of the Gospel of John, after the prologue, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. After those first eight verses, what do we get? The birth of John the Baptist. What do we get here at the very end? He goes back to the site where John baptized. So we get a what, what's called in the scripture an inclusio. The ministry of John the Baptist at the beginning is bracketed with the ministry of John the Baptist at the end. And we get a, a, a literary unit that says this, this is a, uh, the first part of the story. And now we're going to start the second part of the story. So when we get into the story of Lazarus, the sermon on Sunday is called Transformed by a Voice. Because at the end of this story, Lazarus is going to be called out of the tomb and challenged to leave his grave clothes behind. The end of the sermon on Sunday morning will be challenged to leave our grave clothes behind. Starts the story by introducing us to a family. They live in a little city, a little town called Bethany. Now, in Jerusalem, the due eastern gate, okay, at three o'clock on the clock, eastern gate is called the beautiful gate. It's cement shut by the, the Muslims. Suladin said that, that, that he doesn't want Jesus coming back through there, so he's going to put concrete out there. Okay, that's going to stop him. Um, but anyway, that's due east of the city of Jerusalem. So Jesus will come back from the east. Due east of the city of Jerusalem is the Mount of Olives. You go out of Jerusalem, Kidron Valley, up the slope that is the Mount of Olives. Pretty much at the top of that slope is the small village of Bethany. It's at mile marker two on the Roman road. It's about a mile and a half from the city, but let's just say two miles. The city now has a, um, an Arab name that is loosely translated from Lazarus. And so the, there's very little doubt that the city that we're talking about, uh, if you've ever seen a picture that people who've been to Jerusalem take, they always take a picture with the golden dome way in the background. They're standing pretty much at Bethany. 
So it's interesting. If Bethany is way to the east of Jerusalem, if you were Jewish and you were traveling from Jericho to Jerusalem, all of the stories talk about the Jericho Road, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Well, if you went west, it would be a whole lot easier. You could go straight up the Jordan Valley and be at Jerusalem. Why wouldn't they go that way? Why are there so many stories about the Jericho Road and that being the way? And Bethany was the way. It was just assumed that everybody knew where Bethany was because to go to Jerusalem from Jericho, you'd go through Bethany. Why would you go all that way if it was easier just to go west? Why didn't the Jews go west? Because Samaria was in the middle. Have to go through Samaria. And they were so prejudiced against a group of people that Jesus was very compassionate about that they wouldn't even, they would rather go the way of robbers and thieves than to go through Samaria. With that said, when John says they were at Bethany, everybody knew where we were talking about because that was the end of the Jericho Road coming into Jerusalem. Go through Bethany, down the Mount of Olives, cross the Kidron Valley, through the beautiful gate, and you're in Jerusalem. And so everybody knew what he was talking about. But it's interesting, John starts off, now a certain man. He doesn't name him at first. He says, a certain man was ill. I loved one writer's commentary. He names him. He says, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany. That's the, uh, your translation may have it a little different, but, but in the, the original language, he does not name him as he introduces him because he wants to make sure we know this is not a story about Lazarus. It's a story about Jesus. So he says, a certain man was ill. His name was Lazarus. He lived in Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. Now, that's a really interesting sentence in light of chapter 12. Turn the page or swipe your screen and look at chapter 12. What is John chapter 12 all about? It's the whole story. Well, if you're going to tell the whole story, why do you introduce it as if it's in the past tense? Because the readers would have been familiar already. John is the last gospel to be written. It was written much later than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And it was sort of a signal that John was acquainted with Mark's gospel. And he wanted to make sure the readers knew he was sort of burying his lead. He was, he was saying, this is who I'm going to talk about in a minute, but it's not important right now. Right now, I want you to know that this was the sister of Lazarus. That's, that's all you need to know right now. Now, I believe that this incident took place either on Palm Saturday or on Monday. I'm not sure which. Either Jesus had already gone into the city in the triumphal entry, and then he had come back to Bethany to spend the night, or 
He stopped in Bethany on the way to Jerusalem for the triumphal entry. Or chapter 11 and chapter 12 are separated by a day. Nobody can really make the timeline of Holy Week work unless Jesus entered the city on Sunday and was crucified on Thursday. But that's for another discussion. It was Mary who announced the Lord with ointment, wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent to him, saying, well, when you read sent to him, where is, oh, wait a minute. Chapter 10, verse 40 says he was in the Judean wilderness, which is about a day's walk. Okay, it's, it's about a day away. They sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Jesus's affection for this family is well known. It's, it's well documented. John gives us three or four incidents where, where he is with this family. Likely he stayed at their house all through Holy Week. He, he probably went back and forth from being in Jerusalem and he spent the night in Bethany with them. It's just a, a two mile walk. And for them, that's nothing. So they sent to him. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God. I believe that Lazarus was already dead by the time he heard about it. Because if it's a day's journey to get there, we'll see in a minute that he waited two days before he went back. If it's a day's journey to get back, that's four days. And the sister says very explicitly, he's been dead for four days. All right, so let's, let's dive in. Jesus heard it and he said, this illness does not lead to death. What are the hearers probably thinking? Oh, Lazarus is sick. He's not, he, he's just really sick. But Jesus knew in his spirit, he knew by the spirit that Lazarus was already dead. And so he says, this illness does not lead to death. He's making sure we, the readers, understand that he's not talking about physical death. Okay? He knows that he's going to resurrect Lazarus, but there's no way any reader could get their mind around that. This incident does not lead to death, but what does it lead to? The glory of God. That's hard for me to wrap my mind around. All these older people that we're visiting, Doris DiCarlo is going to die soon. She's, she's ready. She says she's ready. We will have her funeral very soon. That makes me very sad. She's a wonderful woman and a friend. It makes me very, very sad every time I do a funeral, and I've done way too many of them. And I, I can't. I, I can't help but grieve my loss, but everything I believe about what Jesus says here is that that for Doris, for Bob Banks, for all the, the people that we've buried lately, that death is not death in Jesus's economy, and that's what he's trying to point us to. He's trying to say that 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 there is transformation in his voice when he calls to us. Let's read the rest of the story. Um, Jesus loved Martha, 
and her sister. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed in the place he was. That don't make any sense. When somebody's ill, you rush to their side, right? Somebody's hurt, you, you go see what you can do to help them. Then after this, he said to the disciples, now let's go to Judea again. Let's leave the wilderness. Let's go back to Jerusalem. The disciples said, uh, wait a minute, they're trying to kill you and you're going back? He says, yep. Aren't there 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. Anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in. That's cryptic. That's odd. But he says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. So I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the one who will illuminate. No one puts a lights a candle, uh, puts it under a, a, a bushel basket. I am the illumination. I walk by day. I don't stumble. So Lazarus has fallen asleep. So the disciples go, okay, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he's going to recover. We don't need to go there. He says, no, no, no. Lazarus is dead. So Jesus makes sure we know that physical death has occurred. Okay, the reader is, is, is supposed to know he is dead. He is dead as a post. He's been in the grave for four days. When somebody dies, one of two things happens. Either you get his body in the cave and shut it up and just let him decompose, or you anoint him with spice so that the decomposition is a little less smelly. Either way, the body's going in the cave, the, the stone is put in front of the cave, and the body is there. Um, one of the things that we did for you who are online, I, I don't know if you know this, uh, Judy and I were in Rome last week, and we were privileged to do a wedding for a family here in the, the church. And, uh, and one of the things that I like to do is to go through the catacombs in Rome. And there are miles and miles of underground tunnels with little bunk bed shelves all through them. And when the the Christians buried their dead in Rome. They would take them into the catacombs and put them on the nearest vacant shelf. And then they would leave the cave because it stunk down there. Why did it stink? Rotting flesh. They didn't embalm. They, they didn't have a way to embalm. So they would wrap them if they could, anoint them with spices, and put them in the cave. But Jesus clarifies. He said, Lazarus is dead. Verse 15, and for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. Uh, what unit are we doing in experiencing God tonight? We'll talk about crisis of belief. Where the crisis of belief, the crisis of belief is what? To attempt to do something that if God's not in it, you fail. I go... For your sake. I'm glad I wasn't there. It, it, you've seen me heal before. You, you've seen me uh, uh, help a blind man see, a deaf man hear, a leper uh, be clean. You, you've seen all that before. 
I want to show you what only God can do. So Thomas said, and I'm going to let this unpack in a sermon about Thomas. He said, all right, let's all go die. <laughs> We're not sure if that's a statement of faith or a statement of sarcastic cynicism. I know that I probably read it a little cynical, but okay, we're all going to die. Why not? <laughs> Verse 17, Jesus came to Bethany. Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. So one of the things I'll say Sunday morning is that Jesus is Lord over unmet expectations. Jesus is Lord over unmet expectations. Your friend is sick. Okay, let's wait two days. They want to kill you in Jerusalem. Great, let's go there. <laughs> Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. Martha and Mary, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. They had faith in what they could see because they'd seen him heal. If, if, if you can get here while he's still just sick. Now, physically, Jesus could do anything he wanted to do. But I don't think Jesus even heard about his sickness till after he was dead. Nonetheless, both sisters said in a statement of faith, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. So again, why was he waiting? Why was he delaying? Why did he say, I'm glad I wasn't there, he said to the disciples, so that you could believe. So Martha said, yeah, but even now, I know that whatever you ask for God, he will give you. Jesus said, your brother will rise again. Remarkable theology, she shows I get it. In the resurrection, in the last day, we'll all rise again. The dead in Christ will rise. He says, no, 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 no. He, he's going to live today. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And everyone who believes in me shall never die. So he cannot be talking about a physical death. Lazarus would die again. It's rare that someone dies twice, but he did. All the people that have been brought back from life. Hey, he flatlined. We put the paddles on his heart and we brought him back. Well, guess what? He's going to flatline again. But Jesus says clearly here, Martha, you're right in your theology. We're talking about a physical death, which I can conquer. And I will conquer. I am the resurrection and the life. But I'm also talking about a spiritual death that you will never experience if your faith is in me. It's interesting that we just got through with Hebrews chapter 11. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not yet seen. And what? Jesus was conveying to Martha and to the disciples, I'm going to give you evidence of something that you're going to experience later. 
you will never die spiritually. So I'm going to show you that I can defeat death spiritually, physically. I am the resurrection and the life. But then something interesting happens. Let's memorize some scripture together. Ready? Here's the memory verse, the easy memory verse for tonight. Say it with me. Jesus wept. You've just memorized John 11:35. Well done. Why was he weeping if he knew that he was going to raise him from the dead? I I think he was weeping for the grief that washed over all of them. I, I think he was human. Uh he he grieved that his friend had been in there, that 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 he he was dead, he was separated. He experienced the human emotion of grief. I wonder if he was also weeping for the uh, lack of spiritual insight. You know, he wept over Jerusalem uh, at the the fact that they just didn't get it. And I, and I wonder if some of his tears had to do with the lack of the disciples being able to connect the dot. Yes, we may die physically, but we cannot die spiritually. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you not grasp that? Every funeral that I I do, I, I think of Paul's words in, in 1 Corinthians 15 when, when he says, if, if it's not for the resurrection, everything we do is vain. Everything we do is empty. If, if it's not for this one central truth, if we can't grasp this one thing, then we're just wasting our time on Sundays. We're just gathering to sing some songs we like to sing. Because if it's not for the resurrection, everything about Christianity is empty. And so when he says, I am the resurrection, the life, I think sometimes he weeps over me because I'm so thick-headed. Sometimes I don't grasp the, 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 the power in what he's saying, that he has the power to speak life out of death. Come to me, all you who are weary. So it goes on. He says, see how he loved him. But some of them said, he opened the eyes of the blind. Couldn't he have kept this man from dying? Yes, but that's not the point. What's the point? It's back in chapter uh, verse 15. For your sake, I'm glad that you, I was not there so that you may believe there are greater things. So Jesus was deeply moved. He came to the tomb. It was a cave. The stone lay against it, verse 38. Verse 39, Jesus said, take away the stone. And all of a sudden, there was this reality check. Martha, he, he wouldn't have died if you were here. I so wish he's alive. Roll away the stone. Uh, yeah, not a good idea. <laughs> because I, he's dead. I believe he's dead. My faith is in his death. I am certain he's dead. Not just for a little bit. Not for a little bit. He's really dead. Jesus said, take away the stone. She said, going to be bad. He's been in there four days. Jesus said, and I wonder if verse 40 is why he wept. As well as his grief, 
Didn't I tell you that if you believed, you see the glory of God? Man, I read that today, and it became first person. Alan, what's the matter with you? Didn't I tell you you'd see the glory of God? Well, God, I know that you did it with it. I know that you, I know that I've seen it, but what about this? What about me? What about my circumstances? Jesus wept. Alan, didn't I tell you you'd see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus lifted up his eyes to the Father. He says, I thank you that you have heard me. Past tense. Lazarus was already stirring. I, I thank you that you have heard me, that you have heard my prayers, that you have acted, that, that the prayer that I'm about to pray is done because I'm just agreeing with you. The word amen is I agree. I'm simply agreeing with you that what needs to happen has already been engaged because this was your plan from the beginning of time. Uh, it's like Blackaby says, I, I'm merely seeing where you're working and joining you. I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. I said that on account of the people standing here. And so he said with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said, unbind him and let him go. Get rid of his grave clothes. Get rid of the things that bound you into a physical death, a spiritual death, a, a cave, a tomb of unbelief. Unbind him. And let him go. Now we'll say more about this Sunday. And we'll say more about this. As we kind of unfold the series. But this was the turning point for the Jews. It's so ironic. That bringing. Life from death. Is what caused them to sentence Jesus to death. This, this is a miracle too far. You, you, you have shown too much power. Didn't I tell you you'd see the glory of God? Well, to see the glory of God puts fear in the hearts of those who want to remain in power. To see the glory of God means it's out of our control. We can't manipulate it. To see the glory of God means we can't program it. We can't market it. We can't make t-shirts about it. It is the glory of God unleashed. And that's what Blackaby is telling us. That there is a way. There, there, there is a, a, a very real way that we can participate in the glory of God. All right. That means you have to come Sunday. Because I got a lot more to say about it.